0: In a world where horrid stenches and piercing screams come not from the realms of fantasy, but from the nightmare of reality. Come two heroes bonded by love and the kind of desperation only parents can know. Oh God, please, no! 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 Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes 3, the greatest podcast in the history of all podcasts by parents who have made a podcast about being gamers with a baby. Did I mention it's a podcast? Here are your hosts, Gretchen Hilmers and Rob Hessler. Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers here with a special episode of RPGs at Baby Makes 3. We wanted to respond to an article that just recently came out. It was published on Wired.com on December 31st of 2020 at 9 a.m. And it was called Dungeons, Dragons, and Diversity by Matthew Galtz. And we took a look at it and had some... Pretty strong responses, I think. And then we ended up showing it to our gaming group and got even more strong responses. So we kind of thought it might be interesting to talk about this article, not just from our own personal perspectives, but also from the perspective of parents and sort of how we might look at this issue. So I'll kind of read the very beginning of it. This is sort of the tagline. It says, Dungeons and Dragons has spent the past few years pushing a new era of diversity and inclusions. But it's still got a lot of work to do and just pulling a quote here from the first paragraph it says some of its concepts evil races descriptions of orcs and half-orcs that mirror racist stereotypes and the concept of racial disadvantages don't make sense anymore in a modern context the game's publisher wizards of the coast knows that and is trying to move Dungeons and dragons into the future but many of its efforts seem half-hearted And a lot of the work of making Dungeons & Dragons more inclusive has fallen to its fans. Now, we're going to talk about some of the specific things that it brings up in this column here. But, Gretchen, kind of like, what's your first immediate reaction having read this? What are some of the things that kind of stood out to you?
1: I mean, I've always had some questions about some questionable things. So something someone else also brought up that was very interesting was this concept of, you know, underground creatures, dark elves, uh, drow, they're always described as having black skin. And that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way because scientifically speaking, they should be really pale and kind of have translucent skin. So I was always really confused why it had to go in that direction. Um, And you know, I think that there are some things about D&D stereotype and race-wise that have kind of stood out and rubbed me the wrong way and I'm sure lots of other people as well as sexism and it's been you know it's D&D used to be kind of a sausage party let's just put it that way (laughs) Uh, a white dude sausage party well
0: you know so this is interesting and so you mentioned Drow of course and so there was a blog post that Wizards of the Coast put out in June of 2020 and they quote from that blog post in this article, throughout the 50 year history of d some of the peoples in the game, orcs and drow being two of the prime examples, have been characterized as monstrous and evil using descriptions that are painfully reminiscent of how real world ethnic groups have been and continue to be denigrated. That's just not right and it's not something we believe in. So, Wizard of the Coast is sort of thinking about this, at least, in their public stance, that you know they want to kind of reduce that, and they've done a few different things. So there are some issues here. For example, they just recently released a Curse of Strahd revamped, and
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <'cause> uh-huh. vampire, <laughs> yeah, because vampires, um, and it just came out, and that of course is a re an update of Curse of Strahd, which was one of the initial adventure modules for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, which was, of course, based on uh, the original Ravenloft adventure that came out for 1st edition Dungeons & Dragons, although there's been many, many along the way, and that was written by Tracy and Laura Hickman. So they also go into a number of other sort of issues, like within Strahd, for example, there are a race of figures called the Vistani, and they're kind of a traveling group that is akin to... The Romani. The Romani, right? And so, yes, so they, there is, you know, some stereotypes that are included within the module which draw a comparison between them and the real life Romani. And so there are some issues there. Um, The article also goes into a lot of detail about concerns over oriental adventures and Asian culture is being used. And you know
1: what's kind of funny about that is uh, a couple weeks ago you asked me if I would be interested in in doing that campaign and my immediate response is, well, as long as it isn't, it's not really exploiting the culture or, you know, too laden with stereotypes. And then this comes out.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting because oriental adventures, of course, came out in the mid-80s and it was written with nobody from Asian culture involved in it and so it mixes and matches a number of different Asian cultural stereotypes you might say and there's a quote in here by Daniel Kwan who was part of a panel that was concerning with Asian racial stereotypes in role-playing games and he's also one of the people who took part in writing a fifth edition hardcover module compilation called Unbreakable, he was one of the writers for, and essentially it's a collection by their tagline, is a collection of Asian myth and folklore themed adventures written for fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. So it's meant to kind of speak about these things in a more, I don't know, culturally sensitive way, in a way that's more accurate and realistic. But anyway, Quan is quoted in this article as, Assuming positive intent, oriental adventures and similar products aren't written with racist or malicious intent, but rather through the misguided appreciation of cultural tropes, Quan says. The resulting content lacks nuance, context, and can be harmful when used to create an other in a product that was originally designed to serve as an escapist fantasy for white people. So... Kind of laying out the issues here, we're talking about drow, we're talking about half-orcs. You know, there's one sort of description of half-orcs that a former freelance writer who has been very critical of Wizards of the Coast, Orion Black, wrote. He says, My worst example was the half-orcs, says Black in the article. If you read the half orc section from the Player's Handbook, it uses language that is nearly one-to-one with language specifically used against inbreeding between black people and people of color. It sounds like I'm reading something about a black and white person from 1945. And then the article goes to quote from the player's handbook, the description, it says, their human blood gives them an edge over their full-blooded orc rivals. Half orcs, grayish pigmentation, sloping foreheads, jutting jaws, prominent teeth, and towering builds makes their orcish heritage plain for all to see. So we've got a number of different examples here. We've got drow. Half-Orcs, Orcs, orcs, anything from Oriental Adventures, and even the term Oriental. Yeah, Vistani. There's a number of these examples. And I think, just let's just kind of talk about that first and foremost, because you and I have had very different reactions to this. So during the conversation that we were having with our role-playing group, I thought to myself, I remember when Drow first came to my attention. It was back when I was in high school, and the books about Dritz D'Ordan came out. The drow ranger who escapes from the Underdark to go on all of these adventures across Faerun in the Forgotten Realms world. It was written by R.A. Salvatore. It spawned, I think there's over 20 books now. They've been bestsellers and all of this and that. And when I first heard about Dritz, I thought, awesome. If I play D&D, I wanna play Dritz. I wanna play a drow elf. They're super cool, right? And then when they came out as a player character race, the character itself had all of these powers and abilities. And so it was like powerful and it was cool looking. And it, you know, Dritz used two weapons and was kind of this, you know, he basically kicked butt and was awesome. And so I wanted to play him. I never thought of it as through a racial connotation. I never thought of it that way. And so... What I thought was kind of interesting, like when we were having this conversation, the difference between you and I. Having grown up when it first came out, to me, like I'd never even thought of it that way. And I didn't even really think of it as like a racial stereotype at all until recent years when I heard people kind of start to express such a thing. But to you, it was like almost immediate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really know why it stood out so quickly to me. Um, it just, it's. I've always had this question of what's good, what's evil, and this idea that white has always been associated with good and black is always associated with evil. It's just something that's always kind of bothered me and rubbed me the wrong way. Mm. And, you know, I just... Maybe that's some of the atheist in me where I was always like, why is heaven connotated as, as white and hell is black and red? Like, I just, like, never... It always just felt wrong. Mm. Um, And so I think that as soon as you, you know, lead with this idea that this evil race is black, then it's like my alarm bells would go off. I think the concept of Drow, yeah, awesome. Oh, my God, so awesome. They sound so cool. Who wouldn't want to play it? But why do they have to be black? I just, I, I, I kind of also feel like, there's not a lot of race necessarily attached to, I mean, as far as I know, I mean, are, are dwarves all white?
0: Well, no, I mean, so that's an interesting thing. So like, but here's the thing, when I'm just kind of talking about drow elves and you're kind of mentioning this, okay, why do they have to be black? So they're they're black skinned and they're evil, but in no other way do I really see any sort of racial stereotypes. It's not like that they have like caricatured black features like that uh, that equate with our current, you know, thing. And also, as I mentioned, they are powerful. They're not like a weak race or they're not a joke, you know what I mean? Like they're totally awesome, you know? Like they're, now they are evil and they're kind of like considered to be inherently evil as far as a race goes, but it's like I don't really see If they didn't have black skin, would anybody think about race? Except for that we're kind of... I don't know. Maybe we're we're more sensitive to talking about skin color. And then the fact that when we talk about race, we say the word race. And during our conversation, somebody brought up... One of our gamers brought up and says, Well, they should just say species instead of race. Because... Like, let's go to this comment by Orion Black about half-orcs. So, you know, he says it brings to mind the language used against inbreeding between black people and people of color. And then the description from the player's handbook, when you juxtapose it with his comment is, gray as pigmentation, sloping foreheads, jutting jaws, prominent teeth, and towering builds make the orcish heritage plain for all to see. Well, when you juxtapose thinking about race and those words, it sounds racist. But for me, I think of orcs are a different species they are not human they are a different species which is like monstrous they're not humans whereas humans there are light-skinned humans and dark-skinned humans there is no differentiation made in D&D that like the human variant that is dark-skinned is inferior to the human variant that is light-skinned like there is no differentiation whatsoever we're talking about in my mind the differentiation between human and and mythical monster that doesn't actually exist.
1: Yeah, but, but let's, let's look at that again, though. So, but let's use the case in point for elves, right? It doesn't really talk about skin pigmentation for elves that are not in the Underdark. You don't know what color they could be. They could be anything. But then it specifically says that the evil elves are black. So like, why are we attaching specific skin tones to just an evil race?
0: I think that that's a fair point and I think that that's something that can be looked at. I guess I just when I think about these things I just don't really bring a lot of the racial stuff to it. You know, we've had in our games, you know, people of different color and and different our group is, you know, half women and half men. We're we're, we're not a sausage party as you as you <laughs> described it. You we've know,
1: had some diversity so, but i would say in general though that a lot of the players in our groups have been white
0: that's true i would say that that's fair but as we well.
1: also live in a town that i mean living in the south there is it's hard to break through those walls but you know if we were to be playing D and D in the dc area where we grew up or in los angeles our the racial makeup of our group would be totally different
0: I agree. You know, where I think that this article has a lot of, where I think that it's kind of, its strength lies is with, as Daniel Kwan described, where you're talking about, if you look at some of these older D&D things like Oriental Adventures. Oriental Adventures is a great example too because in a lot of ways it's like Drow for me. It's like, oh, awesome. I want to play a ninja or I want to play a samurai or like a Wu-Gen, you know, like a a wizard, you know, what would be a wizard in, in you know, in the Oriental Adventures umbrella. And of course, I'm just using the term Oriental Adventures because that's what it was actually called in the 80s. And I, I understand that's not really culturally appropriate now, but that's what it was called with the rule set at that time. So I'm using that term that like w- the way that Daniel Kwan responds and this kind of update, which uses the culture in the right way, because Oriental you know, Adventures is specifically based on a certain type of cultural backgrounds. Like it's, well, uh, several different, but it's Asian cultures that it's, it's like based a, on, it's right? An
1: amalgamation, right?
0: Right, right, right. So it's very specifically based on those. So like making sure you're getting that right if you're gonna do that makes a lot of sense and getting the people who are going to be writing it to be from those cultural backgrounds makes a lot of sense. But I don't really necessarily think that that needs to happen when you're talking about a mythical fantasy race. Like, I don't think that those are, I, I think that Well, yeah, we you can, can't
1: invite an orc over to be like, hey, Yeah, David. hey,
0: orc, how do you feel about this? <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, you can't, they don't exist. So, like, what we're doing is extrapolating based on what we think. And we, there's a quote in here that I think it uses, that uses this really, a uh, really good example in kind of, puts it all together, and it's talking about in the section about evil races a little bit further down. So it quotes Austin Walker, and it says, D&D 5th Edition is a game about killing people, he says. I believe that to address the question of evil races, you need to revisit that as a core design element, because dungeon masters around the world want a reason to kick in the door and kill people. That design requires antagonists for whom the solution of killing makes sense. When you have an evil race, that's very easy to do. And I think that's a really good point. It's like an evil race makes it very clear cut as to these are the bad guys. You go and you kill the bad guys in the game. So like no one
1: feels bad about killing Nazis.
0: Right. Nobody feels (laughs) bad. Nobody feels bad about killing Nazis, right? (laughs) So Nazis are often the villains, like because... You kill a bunch of Nazis and everybody's like, woohoo, go kill Nazis. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so having races that are inherently evil makes that very easy because when you're sitting down at a game table, then you could kind of do that. Now, to be fair, though, like we break those stereotypes and those norms in games all the time. Like I, in my game, the Dragonlance game that I run, I had a group of hobgoblins that were. They had been evil, but then they found these ancient books that told them about justice and law and ended up following this whole new code of this ancient civilization and picking it up and they took on law and they became good. General and,
1: Drek was
0: awesome. Yeah, General Drek was the name of the guy who I hope was we like come back kind of, by him someday. <laughs> maybe you will. Maybe you will. So I kind of took the all evil race and made a twist on it. And it was really funny because when I you, just
1: want to point out that tick tick went in with an open heart and open mind.
0: It was funny because in that particular game, there is a character who is a knight of Salamnia, and a knight of Salamnia, and for those who don't know, in the Dragonlance is like a knight of pure good. And the group walk, approaches and sees the hobgoblins, and she is ready to attack them. <laughs> we ended the session there. The next session started off, and they surprisingly started talking yeah, and you just Tick, had this...
1: just started talking to him yeah because and, like, hey, and they weren't up?
0: they weren't evil and so you had this whole conversation and it broke a little bit of the mold on the stereotype of what hobgoblins are and it was interesting but it was my decision and the fact is is that because everybody thinks hobgoblins are evil doing that switcheroo on you guys actually worked out really well it was like because it was like there was an inherently evil race and we could con we could Switch, it's kind of like, Dritz. is exactly like that for Drow Elves, like, because he's the good one, it's a contrast, and that's kind of what makes him an interesting character as far as it goes. But, you know, I think that a lot of this, too, is that, you know, I think it goes a little bit too far. Later down in the article, Orion Black goes on this, makes this quote, and I just really, I'm going to just read it here, and then I'll disagree strongly. Black, like Walker, identified the rules and structure of D&D as fundamental to the problem. Quote, there is this rule structure that is for this white cis guy, a power fantasy that is connected directly to the stereotypes that are a problem, they say. They exist so that this white guy, who thinks he's not a jock, can look at every race and gender group in their high school, draw them into a character and go, I rule this world. And that's what really hasn't changed. They think that even changing the things that are wrong would be an affront to that. That singular thing is so important, even though they continue to drift farther and farther away from that type of thinking. It's weird as hell. I couldn't disagree more with this. I mean, I understand that perhaps that was a thing back then, but I'm not trying a power game. Like I'm not a po- this isn't a power fantasy and like me reliving, like getting some sort of power in high school. like. I, I just don't understand that. I mean, yeah,
1: but you're you're kinda different in a lot of ways. And I think our generation is actually different in a lot of ways. But I think this is something that is rooted in an old truth.
0: Yeah, but this is in Wired Magazine, the kind of the number of people that are gonna read this who are not gamers, who are gonna think that this is the way that it is it couldn't, this is wrong. I mean, you know, I have, I I have, I see what you're you're saying. Yeah, I have, you know, personally played with hundreds of people and this does exist the way that it's described, but it is actually the exception. This is the stereotype. He is stereotyping right there. He is (laughs) stereotyping that nerd rage, basically like role playing troll, which is not, it exists but to my experience at least but that could least, be
1: his truth that's what he's experienced
0: perhaps that is his truth but i mean i don't know that's you know as somebody who is involved in the gaming community and linked to many 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 groups this is the definitely the exception not the rule and i would say in particular you know i'm seeing the biggest rise in gamers is women i mean i think that that's yeah, a we'll
1: huge on top.
0: huge thing and actually you know i think that kind of brings me to one other topic i wanted to raise regarding this article is that it spends all of this time talking about racial issues and spends almost no time talking about the gender issues that dnd has which i think are actually far more significant than the racial issues and what is so funny is this article has a very attractive black woman in somewhat revealing clothes as <laughs> like throughout the article. Mm-hmm. And I'm like they almost in a way are using to a certain extent her sexuality as to sell, to the, article. sell the article. Are any women
1: actually quoted in this article? I don't re- recall seeing any women. No, and there's article. that's a
0: great example. There's not a single woman quoted in this article. And you know, I think that that's kind of a funny you know it's it's sort of funny like oh you better be careful when you start throwing stones because you're in a glass house there you know in that yeah, regard
1: cell. Yeah,
0: and and to be honest with you is that the legacy of misogyny in D is much more inherent to it than the, the racial issues to me
1: well i can't speak for the racial issues but i do know that women characters you know they're always depicted as being in skimpy armor well skimpy they used clothes. to it's much better now right and we tried to watch the original that animated dragon lance and oh god. Our, oh god what was her name
0: tika, tika, and, tika her...
1: and her boobs are just bouncing it's, and
0: there was even like a ball one like yeah thing. and i'm like
1: what and you know i mean that's and also women in we're really looked down on and treated poorly. And this isn't just like a and d thing. This is across gaming platforms, period. Yeah, Since it's an issue. D&D, video games, women are... I mean, it's come down to us being threatened. And I'm actually waiting for the day the shoe drops where someone starts saying some crap about me because I just feel like <laughs> that's how this is. And I...
0: It could happen. I am
1: aware that this is something that will most likely happen. And, you know, women are just... It's tough.
0: It's a difficult topic, and I think that women in gaming is something that is that is and I, I wish they would have kind of brought in a little bit more of that. But let's just kind of pivot here a little bit to how this relates to the main focus of our podcast, which is RPGs and Baby Makes 3, because we're gamers with a kid. And so like we're looking at the future of this game. So like our kid is prob- is not going to be playing. Well, maybe we'll teach him second edition Dungeons and Dragons, which we play, or fifth edition, which is really popular right now, which we've, you know, haven't, you and I haven't played together, but I've played some of. We also play in a Pathfinder game. By the time that he is of gaming age, it'll be sixth edition or maybe even seventh edition before he's like really playing games, if he even decides to play Aww, at all, bling, you know. Bling, bling, two, six, seven, <laughs> he's like, you give should. me those shiny click clack rocks uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I can roll. But I mean, like, I don't want a game to reinforce racial stereotypes. You know, when I think about that, like I don't want my kid to pick up a game and be like, ooh, and like just even subconsciously make a comparison of drow elves are black and they are evil, so black people I see are evil. Like I don't want him to make that that comparison and that judgment, so I feel like these things aren't going to go away even if they remake the game into something different in future editions the legacy of what dnv is is going to continue on
1: right but just like racism in general it all starts here at home
0: yeah exactly
1: the way that you run games the way that we play games the way that our friends have games it's not something that is a focus it's just very inclusive and it bridges the gap between race and sexuality and and i think that by making sure that you're keeping it inclusive and teaching your kids that our differences are what bring us together i think it all starts at home
0: yeah i agree i mean it's like we have the opportunity to show him you know and, and if these issues do come up to just kind of like tell him and and explain to him what is going on with this kind of stuff? I was thinking, you know, about my own game in comparison to this and the way that I deal with it because you actually came upon a character who was was a Japanese character, essentially, based on Japanese ideas um, you came upon in my D&D game and his character, the character was named Shen Jinzo. And the way I played him was nobody thought... I didn't play him like a, Jap- like a, a stereotype. You know, he was no. a wizard and he kind of took an interest in one of the other, one of the party members to train her, and he wasn't a caricature, for example. And then that reminded me of another example is that you actually met a lesbian character, but I never even, like, it never really played any role because, like, it's not like we're having sexual encounters in the game anyway, but the character was a lesbian, and no one, you kind of picked up on it, but I didn't really overplay it. It was just like she was you know not really responding to any of the men who were trying to pick her up at the bar and like you know what I mean like it was just like that was pretty much how that was the only outward show that she was a lesbian character and, and even so
1: then she could have been straight and just not interested
0: yeah exactly but
1: you don't focus on the sexuality you don't if you want to make a point about something you focus on it and you're not the kind of person to make a point and focus on something you're just there to play a game you're there to have fun You allow your players to draw conclusions. You don't force the issue. You don't add stereotypes. You just do. Yeah. And I think your creativity is something that stands out. And it's... um,
0: Well, I think that's what you have to do when you're talking about characters that seem so close to, you know, our real life world that the line is kind of blurred. And it makes you feel like you're talking about real world cultures and stuff. When you're in that circumstance, I feel like as a dm it's kind of our responsibility to make them just people first and though they're not defined as caricature of fill in the blank whatever that caricature might be even if it's positive like like Quan was talking about and and the the old school oriental adventures which were not meant to be racist in that way but they're they're caricatures you know what i mean and so like it gives a false representation of what the actual culture was. And I think that that's kind of important for us to do. And that's something that we can do as game masters. And it's really important that we do that when we're talking about doing gaming with our kids or our kids can even see it, is like that we're not perpetuating those kind of things because they soak up every, as you know, kids, they soak up everything. (laughs) That's why I'm washing my language a little more. (laughs) I know, and it's hard, right? I mean, so you have to be careful to do that. Here's
1: also the thing, though, is (laughs) You have to teach them about the past. You have to show them what history was and why we can't repeat it and why we have to go on from it. So it's a perfect thing to learn from. It's a teaching moment. So it's, I'm, you know, I think we need to acknowledge what the past was and show what the new path is.
0: Absolutely. You know, that's a really great point. And I, I think that this article is going to bring up a lot of conversation and a lot of interest. And I'm curious to hear where other people have, you can send us an email if you'd like at rpgsandbabymakes 3 gmail.com if you want to talk to us about this or any other topics. Again, the article is titled Dungeons, Dragons, and Diversity by Matthew Galt, and it was published in Wired Magazine at wired.com on December 31st, 2020 at 9 a.m. So look up that article and see what you think because I think it's very provocative. RPGs and Baby Makes Three is a production of Gretchen and Rob sitting on their couch. Email the show at RPGs and Baby Makes Three at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as on our free Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash RPGs and Baby Makes Three.